seven steps to use a credit card wisely according to this article. Welcome to Fortinbox.com where we help you with your personal finance and help you get out of debt. So with scores of credit card companies vying for attention in one of the largest consumer markets in the world, choosing a card suitable for your needs can be daunting. From SBI to HDFC and Citibank to HSBC, each card issuer has its very own list of benefits and value back offers. Knowledgeable navigation is therefore a perplexing journey. Look at RBI data as of March 2021 in India, for an example, with a population of 1.3 billion, had 62 million cards in force, i.e. five cards per 100 persons. Now, the reason why we're kind of covering this in like the India perspective is that it works with United States and basically worldwide as well, right? And it makes it interesting even more because for those that don't know this, in India, the amount of growth that's happening there is insane. It's why so many companies from the U.S. are moving into the India commerce to uh, basically kind of like explain it. like Because... Like, the amount of money that they can make in India is actually far more than they can actually make in terms of the United States. Like, for example, Apple would love to move their, like, move, like, basically selling their phones into India, be, like, a shareholder in terms of, like, market share in India, but they're not. Like, they're not, like, a top market share player in India, which means they're missing out on a lot of money. Google is typically the one that basically takes up all the uh, market share of selling phones in India, and that's a massive business, which is why a lot of card companies are fighting for that industry, which also means it kind of gives you an idea as to potentially what are some good card companies to even interact with. So this accounts for very low penetration in India, making the market fiercely competitive when it comes to new customer acquisition and the choices for consumer difficult. So with a fair credit score starting at more than 650 and a regular monthly income, you can conveniently qualify for an all-purpose entry-level credit card with your preferred bank, which is basically the same in the United States as well and pretty much any country. Premium features do come with additional costs, so let's understand how you can use a credit card wisely in seven steps. And even though you can use a credit card wisely, for probably about half of the population, if not more than half of the population, you actually should never use a credit card, mainly due to you having bad habits. Which, by the way, if you want to learn how to like actually get like out of debt and have like financial freedom, Go to 40inbox.com to learn how to get a debt. Number one, determine spend pattern. So before exploring credit card options for yourself, you must first understand that there is no one size fits all. You cannot mimic the spending pattern of your best friend. And if your best friend is probably anyone like 
anyone else's best friend, they probably make really bad choices when it comes down to their money. So the first step is to analyze your own items of expenditure and to pick a card that is best aligned to your own lifestyle. Go through the following checklist and answer each question to simulate what and where you intend to use your card. And for example, right, since we promote getting out of debt, right, so heavily, because we want everyone to get out of debt because debt is such a burden on people's lives. If this were to grow, right, like if this podcast and stuff were to grow to a certain extent, it would be lovely to have like a sponsor that actually provides like a debit card that acts like a credit card where they give you a credit score but you're not actually using a credit card, you're actually using the debit card. I believe there's one that exists or a couple that exist, but it'd be kind of cool if this thing were to actually grow to where we would actually get sponsored by something like that because then that could be like, okay, now you can end up building your credit score without having to go into debt, which is amazing. So here's the list. So ask yourself and choose between. Is this your first credit card? Yes or no? What are your regularly month, regular monthly expenses? Online shopping, booking cabs, ordering food, grocery, digital payments, etc. Amazon, all that kind of stuff. Is there brand loyalty? So there's favorite brands, Gucci, Rolex, M&S, Shoppers, Stop, Apple, Nokia, Vistara, etc. Where do you see maximum desired usage online, offline, or a mix of both? So mostly online, mostly offline, or mix of both. Are there daily travel expenses? So you either own a cab, metro, train, etc. Are you a frequent flyer? Yes or no. Do you need benefits on hotel bookings? Yes or no. Do you need to use this card overseas? Yes or no. Do you want to pay an annual fee for premium benefits? Yes or no. Next, number two. Match spend pattern with plastic or metal, depending on the card. So credit cards offer ease of purchase now and pay later. Put together regular expenses and aim for a credit card that serves the top three expense categories for you. For example, if your top expenses are shopping online and digital purchases, for example, food or movie tickets, your search narrows to a lifestyle and entertainment card that offers benefits like accelerated rewards for online shopping and value back offers on online bookings, etc. Good picks could be simply click SBI card, HDFC money back credit card, RBL bank popcorn card, among others. And again, like this, you can basically look at it another example. You know, there's Chase, there's Bank of America. Like, look. Honestly, for like a good starter credit card, like all purpose, it's probably actually better to go like lean more so into like two to three percent cash back or more cash back if you can get it. And again, the thing is like you really shouldn't be using a credit card to begin with. But let's say, for example, that you're already using a card. Maybe think about if that card is actually right for you because you don't want really any annual fees and 
really you want to have something that will just give you cash back that's multi-purpose, right? I like a one-size-fits-all approach because that can typically do the most good, right, for the most people. But everyone's situation may be a little bit different because remember, personal finance is personal. So if you have loyalty towards a particular brand, you should opt for a co-branded card to further enhance the available benefits. For example, Citibank Shopper's Stop Card offers instant redemption of reward points on each purchase. So based on your patronage for a particular brand, you can pick a card that delivers greater value. If you're inclined towards offline purchases, you need a card that offers benefits on point of sale. For example, a card like Simply Save SBI card is suitable for offline transactions such as grocery shopping, dining, and more. If you have sizable few expenses, big card basis your local transport requirements, and that's more like like this, like a lot of gas companies specifically. Like I'm not saying like any of these like Indian uh, necessarily cards because they're not really. Uh, good for the United States. So basically, since we're in the United States, a thing to potentially think about, I'm not suggesting this, but what you could think about is, let's say, for example, you happen to go to the same gas station every single time, the exact same gas station every single time that you fill up, no matter what, the exact same one that gas station might actually offer a card that rewards like 25 cents, maybe even 50 cents per gallon, like something crazy, right? If that's the case, it might, for a very few select people, might make it worthwhile. That being said, for most People do not bother getting a gas station card or any credit card. Now, there's a range of premium travel cards that offer discounts and rewards for frequent flyers. So, a powerful travel card offers benefits on booking flights, hotel reservations, complimentary self and luggage insurance, cab bookings, concierge service, among others. And premium benefits, however, come with an annual charge and thus you should opt in only if your usage justifies the fee. For example, the, okay, I'm not going to say that. So number three, assess affordability. So annual fees, other than zero fee cards, all credit cards have a non-refundable annual charge. You may find a premium card at zero joining fee. It is likely that there's an annual fee second year onwards. Now there could be a fee waiver on achieving spend milestones. And there's the interest rate. So credit cards should be leveraged to available free credit and certainly not to shoulder exorbitant 24% to 48% interest costs on rollover dues. So relatively lower rates should form an integral part of your decision-making matrix. That being said, if you do use a credit card, you should never be carrying a balance to begin with, meaning the actual interest rates doesn't actually matter because you never carry a balance if you actually use a credit card correctly. So the late fee, delays in bill payments attract a penal uh, fee. 
examine the MITC document and try to minimize any future costs. So foreign markup. Swiping your card overseas comes with a foreign currency markup fee generally between 2.5% to 4%. The markup rate is disclosed in the terms and conditions. Bum, 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 bum. Grace period for payments. Each card offers a grace period beyond the due date without any additional charge. Check and remember the grace period. This could be anywhere from like a couple of days to literally a month. Rewards program. Examine how to maximize rewards on the card spends. Check for experience of reward points and also determine the operative redemption process and especially if there are extra fees for claiming redemption benefits. Few cards can also offer redeeming points against annual fees. The other benefits. Credit cards can dazzle and confuse you with a bewildering bouquet of benefits. Fully internalized terms and conditions for all value back and add-on benefits, which may include complimentary insurance, fixed or time-bound partner programs, i.e. frequent flyer miles, vouchers, etc. And the credit limit, and this is one that people tend to focus on the most. This is the maximum amount that you can spend on the card. But remember, it's not your money. So your monthly expenses cannot exceed the sanction limit. Building good credit history will lead to higher spending limits and will lift your credit score. And you could always also basically uh, apply to certain cards that will automatically bump up your credit limit, which then you can go back to another credit card company and increase your credit limit and keep on doing that. But you should not really do that. But you could also just contact them directly and basically tell them, hey, like, can you raise my credit limit? I have a certain amount of cash available to me in my bank that I can show you. This is how much money I have in my bank. Can you raise my credit limit? Number four, examine specific personal priority. Before taking a final call, however, it is recommended to look at some issuer-specific benefits. These could be unique benefits that only a particular issuer offers to its customers. For instance, if you have a very frequent rail travel car travel, train travel, subway travel. Because again, this can work anywhere, right? You may like to consider a card that is more in lines with, again, that specific thing, right? Because there might be a specific subway card. There might be a specific public transit card. So just keep that in mind. Number five, the correct usage. New users can commit errors in plastic usage, sometimes very costly. Prevention is always better than uh, than the cure, so here's a few tips. Never share your credit card PIN and other details with anyone, even if the person claims to be from the bank. When you are completing a credit card transaction, make sure the EDC machine, the machine in which you enter your credit card PIN, is in your view and always double check the amount prior to entering the PIN. Since most of the banks are pushing towards contactless payments, kindly ensure the contactless feature on the card is enabled only after your permission. Missing due date payments will attract a late fee plus interest on the outstanding 
amount, and furthermore, your expenses will no longer be interest-free uh, interest till you pay the bill. And a flag in the credit history also hurts your future prospects of a hassle-free approval of credit facilities like a loan for a car or a house, but also never get a car loan because you're going to get screwed on that. You should swipe your credit card for an amount that you can afford to repay at the end of the billing cycle. But our recommendation is that if you do use a credit card, you pay that amount right then and there. Meaning, let's say that you just bought something at the gas station and you use a credit card. When you get back into your car, you go online and transfer the money from your bank account into that credit card so that it gets cleared. So you're never carrying a balance, ever. Do not roll over the card as the annual interest can be a punishing 24% to 48%, and if you can't deposit the entire amount, apply for an EMI facility and reduce interest rate to 15% to 18%. Credit card cash withdrawals should be the last resort. Opt for small withdrawals, that too only for emergencies, and additionally frequent visits to the ATM could attract charges. In any case, this easy liquidity comes at a prohibitive interest cost of 2% to 4% per month. Card companies often run enticing offers on card spends. You should be watchful and spend as per your own plans. Earning reward points should not be the primary motive for building up a huge card bill. And a lot of people tend to go down this route where... They sign up for a credit card to get as much points as possible, but they end up spending like 15 grand or 20 grand in a month, right? Just because they want the points, but they end up carrying a balance into the next month. So it's just completely pointless. Number six, multiple credit cards. Now, it is a common perception that credit cards lead to a debt trap. On the contrary, you can better manage expenses with multiple credit cards. Let's discuss how you stand to benefit with two or three cards. I disagree with this, but we'll cover it. Interest-free period. So multiple credit cards help you extend the interest-free period on your card purchases. So let's elucidate this simple hack. Say your card one has a billing cycle on September 30th and the balance payment will be due in about three weeks, i.e. on October 21st. You have 50 days of interest-free period for spends made on September 1st. Each passing day in September, the interest-free window will continue to contract. Eventually, you will make a purchase on September 30th. You have only 21 days of interest-free credit. So if you have card two, you can avail longer interest-free periods. Make sure card two has a billing date in the middle of the month. The idea is to keep 15 days gap between the billing dates of the two cards. To execute in our example, use card one from 1st to 15th of each month and switch to card two of the for the expenses made between 15th and 30th. Future planning and the timing of spends on multiple credit cards will help extend interest-free periods. So I could kind of understand where they're kind of coming from with that planning but the problem is when you try to game the system like this you're going to screw up and you're typically going to screw up 
really badly in a very dire situation. So get the best deals. Each credit card issuer runs promotional offers and deals with specific retailers and brands. Some cards could be suitable for grocery or day-to-day shopping, while others may offer benefits on online shopping, food or cab or movie booking, and another set of cards may offer benefits on fuel purchase or bus or railway tickets. So operating more than one card increases the chances of veiling lucrative deals across varied product categories. So you could get up to 10% cash back on new Apple mobile phones, depending on the card. So to maximize the benefits, select a bouquet of credit cards that are best aligned with your spending pattern. But again, here's the thing. This also typically makes you end up spending more money. So it's kind of counterintuitive. Fallback payment option. A backup card protects you from the embarrassment when you're not carrying extra cash. And a POS machine fails to read the card chip and beeps with a server error. Now, I agree with this. This is why typically you want to carry more than one card. But it shouldn't necessarily be a credit card. It should be more like a debit card. But I understand people get fearful of using their debit cards and all that kind of stuff, right? But here's the thing. Sometimes life happens. But this is also why you should carry some amount of cash so that you're not forced to use a credit card. With another credit card, you can save the day. It comes in handy, especially when you're traveling and not in your own city. Number seven, parenting through plastic. It is a universal aspiration for parents to desire the very best for their progeny. Whether they ripen as successful professionals, musicians, or sports persons, children will always be required to manage finances adroitly. And a credit card can be one of the first tools to impart financial lessons for future leaders. So introducing credit cards, initiate money lessons for your child by making available an add-on credit card with a modest spending limit. As the bill of an add-on card is clubbed with a primary card, you can oversee his or her expenses and more importantly, unobtrusively assess their preferences and priorities. A regular review of monthly statements together with your child is a delightful and suitable camouflage opportunity to inculcate right values and ethics. Now, there's a different way you could also do this too. You could get like a prepaid credit card where you basically stick, you basically, the way to really do it, right, is to figure out your budget per month for your kid and end up basically doing like uh, the prepaid credit card where you stick the budget amount per month into that card, meaning they can only spend what's actually inside that thing while they're also building credit. So that's another way to go about and doing that. But again, the problem is when you give someone access to money that they potentially think is free money, because here's the thing, there's no guarantee that you'll be able to instill within them good financial habits because they might just go like, hey, I'm just going to spend money because I got this available to me. And they might just like give you the finger and be like, hey, I don't want to listen to you. I just want to go to the beach or like travel or something. So you, I don't think it's a good idea to necessarily give kids, like your kids, credit cards because they probably are not going to act responsibly with it. 
So it is absolutely essential to emphasize the pri uh, no, 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 no. the primacy of maintaining the privacy. Oh yeah, basically the importance of maintaining the privacy of pin and card details. So emergency use. If the child is unable to get in touch with you, a card can help her independently look after herself or himself. Decision making under difficult and pressing circumstances is an invaluable life skill. And the credit history. A credit card with a regular payment cycle is instrumental in building an invaluable credit score. In due course of time, when further credit facilities are sought, a good, a good credit score will be a high utility item for young adults. The bottom line. In selecting the right credit card, you may of course discuss with friends who are at a similar point in their life cycles, and also with bank officials. Your own research, however, is the overriding attribute. Thoughtful and judicious handling of a credit card offers flexibility and benefits which will surely lift your lifestyle. So I thought this was a pretty good article to read. I agree with the majority of the things that was said, but the main thing to really understand is that in reality, you should not be using a credit card. Like you gotta be honest with yourself Look at yourself in the mirror and be like, hey, do I have a credit card balance right now? If you do, you need to get out of debt and probably cut up your credit card because you can't even trust yourself to not overspend, right? So you got to make some drastic actions to get yourself back at a good financial foundation because here's the thing. The reason why we push you to getting out of debt so much is because that allows you more financial freedom, which in turn means that you have more options available to you, okay? Like if you don't end up spending all this money every single month making debt payments, you can go travel to where you want. You can donate money to places or things that you care about. You can save up for a cool car or toy or whatever. You could buy a new computer. You could take out your significant other to an awesome date. Like it gives you so much more options, right? But not only that, the sense of freedom that you get when you're completely debt free is amazing, right? Like if you've ever woken up really early or maybe even the middle of the night with like a cold sweat you're like holy crap like what am I doing all because like you're stressed out about payments look when you end up becoming debt free you don't get any of that right you're like wow I'm gonna sleep like a log tonight because I have no payment that I got to care about, right? And not only that, not only the freedom that it gives you, right? The de-stressing on your life, right? De-stressing, meaning it's de-stressing you, like it's taking away the stress out of your life. Not just that, but if you were to really think about it and calculate it, how much money is actually costing you to stay into debt. Let's use this as an example, right? Because it could be a credit card or it could even be like a car loan, right? If you're spending like $500 per month 
on payments on debt if you simply put that money that same amount of money into in an investment that compounds and provides basically around like a 7 to 10% annual return on your money every single year which there's a lot of investments that are basically hands off that you could get that with and you just do that every single month you will retire a multi millionaire right so that $30,000 credit card debt that $30,000 car loan is literally costing you millions of dollars in your future that's the way to think about it it's not just the fact that like wait a minute I'm losing money right now. I'm living paycheck right now. I am stressed out now. It's not just that. And it's not just you wanting to get the sense of freedom that it will give you. But once you realize that you are literally getting robbed millions of dollars of your future and giving that to the credit card company or the car company, you start to be pissed off, right? You start to get really pissed off at the simple fact that you are getting your cheeks clapped by these companies, all simply because you just didn't know, right? You just didn't know about this situation. And this is why it is so important to be out of debt so that the money that you have can be used for your future and not for these companies' future, right? You're basically a cog in the wheel to them, making them more money. So why not make yourself more money and retire a multi-millionaire? By the way, if you want to learn how to actually get out of debt in a very simple-to-understand way, go to 40 or into the description of this episode. Stay tuned for more.